you're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. Eddie, what are you doing? <laughs> just, uh, I just had a big old string come out of my boxers. <laughs> it's Wes. But I do think about Pop-Tarts a lot. And Walker. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I do, I do. Ooh. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. This is why we're the best news show. That's a promo. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Howard Lee, he has it! Touchdown, Carolina! And your biggest heartbreaks. 50, no he's not! Yes he is, It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Down, sleep for the end zone, and he got it! And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. Welcome back, folks. It is a football Friday. The bells of war are ringing. And this is the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Team Week concludes overall and for North Carolina and South Carolina as we now have Anthony Pagnotta, or you may know him as Flounder, or as we know him, Big Flizzle, Fleazy, whichever way we decide to say it. I don't think I ever call him the same thing twice in a row. It's always different. I prefer it that way. That's good. I like it. <laughs> Big Fleazy. Hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, the Wesson Walker page on Twitter, and Wes Bryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail, and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram as well. And Flounder, what are your socials, man? Drop that for the people. At HTB Anthony. I don't put the underscore in there because uh, I don't need it. I'm just that good. Well, look, <laughs> I, I had to. The underscore sucks. I hate it, but I have it in one of my emails. The problem is now I've had it so long that I just never wanted to change it because, there, believe it or not, another person out there in the world had Walker Mail at Yahoo. And so now I was like, all right, so now I got to go with another underscore and put it in there. You know, underscores suck, but sometimes it's necessary. <laughs> all right, Flounder. So let's talk Tar Heels, man. And and starting with this offense, we know all about Drake May and what he brings to the table. The Tez Walker decision has yet to come down yet. So out of these receivers, who do you think is going to be the guy, whether it be J.J. Jones, Nate McCollum? Who do you think steps up if Tez Walker cannot go this season. So if you asked me that two weeks ago, I would have told you his name, McCollum, no questions asked. I mean, you saw what he did last year at Georgia Tech uh, in an offense that is just not built to throw the football. I know they're trying to get away from the triple option. They've been trying to do that for, what, five or six years now? And it still hasn't worked. But the numbers that he put up last year, uh, you know, they, they were the best that a wide receiver has put up there since DeAndre Smelter was there. Most catches since Calvin Johnson was there. So he's a guy that's more than capable of doing that in an offense that fits him a little bit better. But if I had to go with one guy, I'd, I'd say it's Kobe Pesor. I, I just think you look at the three games that Kings he started. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the three games that he started a year ago, and he, he was the Tariel's leading receiver in each one of those games. They've said that they've been working on him, sort of trying to refine his route running skills a little bit more, which I thought they were pretty exceptional to begin with and they've been working on him you know trying to catch the ball away from his body um i i thought last year one of the biggest probably the 
I mean, the, is it the biggest highlight catch that Carolina had? Maybe the one that Josh Downs had where he scores against Miami, but that diving grab that Pesor had against Georgia State is, I mean, was just an amazing catch. I, I think this dude is the real deal. I think he's going to get a good opportunity this year because at this point, I don't think Tez Walker is probably going to be there for Carolina. So I think that's your guy, Kobe Pesor. All right, so... Talking about this offensive line, third worst in the ACC last season. And when you talk about sacks allowed, they give up 40 on the year. Four of those guys are back. And so how worried are you with a quarterback like a Drake May with an offensive line and gave up so many sacks last year? Do you feel like that that is? And we know that that's always a key to football, the offensive line. But are you very worried about this unit and their improvement for this year? That might be an understatement. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, this this group, and it has to paranoid. It has to sort of be a little bit. You have to be paranoid about it because you look at, the offensive line that you had the last two years, and it just hasn't been good enough. Now, last year, I thought first 10 games of the year, you were solid. You were average. You did a good job of protecting your guy for the most part. But down the stretch of the season, especially when you started playing some guys uh, that you know made it to the NFL, like Keon White and that Georgia Tech defensive front, when you started going up against State, who has a lot of talent along that defensive front, that's where you started to see that unit sort of fall apart. And... I've heard, you know, from a lot of people here recently that they are not happy at all with where the offensive line is at right now. So there's a lot of concern. That's a big part of the reason why I think, you know, I don't know how many points the Tar Heels offense is going to put up in the game on Saturday because I just don't know how well they're going to be able to protect Drake May. They're better in, in terms of run blocking. But at the same time, I think that's probably, I mean, overall, that might be your biggest concern on the entire team because the D-line, the talent's there. The secondary, the talent's there. The offensive line, I don't really know about that. All right, right that but is, I was being biased, Carolina fans. Well, I think he probably has them winning more than six games, though, I would imagine. I'm just saying. Right? Am I right about that? I mean, I have them winning nine, possibly ten. I was on the fence right, with so the Pittsburgh game. So. Okay. All right, so I had them losing against Pittsburgh. So we were in agreement there as far as trying to figure out what was going to happen against Pittsburgh. I'm going to run a couple of North Carolina takes by you, okay. Flander, and then okay. you tell me. You don't have to tell me if they're fire or fizzle. I believe Wes has that trademarked. We're still pending. Yeah, I don't think I'm allowed to use that. That's uh, fine. Ah. You can just tell me if it's uh, uh, maybe hot or not. Maybe flizzle, right? We, we can do that. <laughs> oh, I like that. All right, so you tell me if it's fire or flizzle here. Uh, okay. The, the big surprise in the ACC this weekend I put UNC's defense will hold Spencer Rattler to under 250 passing yards, just like Notre, right? So 246 against Notre Dame. And then he had the two monster performances against Tennessee and Clemson. I don't believe in South Carolina's interior offensive line. You talked about the talent on the D line. They have the weapon in Juice Wells. That's a monster. People are discussing Trey Knox, this tight end, where he's only had 28 receptions once, and that's the most he's ever had in his college career. That was his freshman season. I just could see North Carolina with the talent putting it together a little bit, enough to hold a very inconsistent QB below 250 in a way that not many people expect. Is that take flizzle? I I would say it's, it's pro- probably slightly flizzle i will <laughs> i love that we're using this <laughs> i will say I, I will put it this way it's i think flizzle. they can hold them to under 300 i could see that because i do think that this secondary is better than a year ago i know people are going to find that hard to believe um you're, you're saying well you got an fcs guy that's coming in there you've got guys that have transferred from other acc schools 
So how good can this unit really be? Last year's unit was about as bad as you can be in terms of a Toriel pass defense. I know they had talent. There's a lot of people that are freaking out. Well, they don't have Storm Duck and Tony Grimes. Anybody that says that, they did not watch that, this football team play last year. Storm Duck allowed over 600 yards receiving in coverage, which was inside the top 10 of the most allowed in the country. And Tony Grimes was as inconsistent as a guy. So I think the unit will be better. I would say he probably gets over 250. If anything, Walker, probably because they throw the ball so much. I don't think, I I will put it this way. I think Carolina's run defense in this game will be outstanding. I don't think South Carolina will be able to run the ball at all. I think they'll have to go air raid. But I think Radler's probably talented enough to be able to throw for over 250. I was going to say, too, off of the back of that, if they are able to shut down the run, how much better is this Carolina pass rush going to be? Only 17 sacks last season. Is this the year Desmond Evans finally puts it together? Or if not, who on that defensive line steps up? Because 17 sacks is not going to get it done. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, man. I I, I think... I mean, I watched Des Evans. I watched him in high school, and I thought, man, this dude, there's there's a lot of traits there. The thing that's weird is when I watched him in high school, I saw a guy that played with a lot of physicality. You don't see that. You haven't seen that at Carolina. So I don't know if it's just been the learning curve for him. Um, I, I think one thing I will say is it was interesting hearing him talk a, a few weeks ago. He said coming off the injury, he had to take a little bit of a different mindset because it was the first time he had ever been injured in his career. And I think he realizes, look, I'm running out of time here. He could have a COVID year if he wants it next year. I, I don't I don't think if he doesn't perform this year, I don't think Carolina is going to wait to move someone over him. Bo Atkinson's been playing well here in, in the fall. And same thing with Jacoby Cowan. Both of those guys, Mac Brown said, you'll see them out there on Saturday night. So I think he needs to step up. But overall for the D-line, yeah, I think there's a chance that they take a step forward. I like the talent in that room. Um, I, I just, to me, it's been a developmental problem, but they bring in Ted Monachino as an assistant. He's not a guy that can actually coach him on the field. It's one of those, like, I don't even know what the unpaid a liaison, is, if you will, something like that. So he's coming in. He's going to help. I think with some of the pass rushers, I think Cayman Rucker, he's going to get more snaps this year. I think he's able to take a step forward. I love Javari Ritzy. I don't understand how he's not considered a starter, how they even list him as an or. That dude was outstanding against the run. So I like him. And then Miles Murphy. I mean, you know this, Wes. Miles Murphy coming into last year. I mean, he wasn't talked about as much as the other Miles Murphy, but a lot of people thought he could take a step forward from sure. the year that he had the year before. They, they thought he could be a breakout guy. He didn't. He really took a step back. I think he can recover this year. So I like that defensive line. I think there's talent there, but it's kind of a wait and see with them as well. I like Flounder going Ron Jaworski. I've watched 52 hours of film on Dez Evans, <laughs> and this is why I think, yeah, I love Ron Jaworski flounder style i want to know if you've been watching a lot of film of chip Lindsay offense in the past because new offensive coordinator here mac brown has been begging to run the ball more kind of took a shot at phil longo with some comments he's like yeah i've been asking a little bit i've been asking to run the football and it just hasn't happened so i was like okay if your play caller isn't running the football it doesn't seem like a so indirect insult or indirect uh, uh, criticism hurled his way. It seems like, yeah, Phil Longo wasn't running it. What do you expect from Chip Lindsay, and are you excited about what you anticipate? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've definitely warmed up to the hire. When they first made it and I looked at his track record, I said, dude, you're talking about a guy the last two places he's been replaced as the play caller. Now, the thing is, is that if you look, both of those stops were with Gus Malzahn. I don't really know a ton about Gus Malzahn to say that anything confidently, but I could see Gus Malzahn being that guy that kind of wants to spotlight for himself, wants to call his own offense because, I mean, he's done it before. So right. I, I I think this is one that the, the he has bonded really well with Drake May, which I think bodes very well for Carolina. As you mentioned, Mac Brown wants to run the ball more, has wanted to run the ball more. Chip Lindsey's offenses, I mean, they, they do that. We know that they do that. That's what they've really had to thrive on because, frankly, if you look back, he really hasn't had great quarterback play um, in his time as an offensive coordinator. Now he does, though. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, do you get tempted? Because it's, it's, it's understandable if you get tempted to say, hey, I got a guy that's going to probably go one or two in the NFL draft next year. I want to let him spin it. But especially first game of the year and some of the other games that they're going to have along the way, I think there'll be teams that are vulnerable to this too. You have to run the football. You got the talent in that room. Your offensive line can't pass protect. Run the damn ball. I'm not I'm not saying that mantra is wrong. It's just so funny to hear that, hey, we got to take the football out of our best players' hands more often. I mean, it's just well, a weird but, but, I'm with you. It helps. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just at the same time, you are saying we got to take the ball out of his hands more often, even though it is going to set up a lot of other things for the offense. But it's a weird line to try to play and be so adamant about when you have the number two pick in the, the NFL draft. The thing draft. is that you got to look at is look at even late last year. I mean, the amount of time. I mean, they, they did not run the ball really at all in yeah. the final four games of the year. There were times they just completely abandoned it. So not only are are you having the snaps where Drake is dropping back and throwing, all the run like they did not design runs for him. He pretty much led the team in rushing because he had to scramble at times and just take off and make something happen. I think the thing that you want to do, especially in this game on Saturday, run the football and set up your passing game. Open up the stuff down the field. Make them come up into the box and tr- have to try to stop the run. Because South Carolina is not a good run run defending team. I mean, they they allowed almost 200 rushing right. yards a game last year. So that's the strategy that you got to take if you're Mac Brown, Chip Lindsey, and this offense. I, I think, and and the frustrating part, you've got the running backs. This might be the deepest room on your entire team. So utilize it. That was Anthony Pagnata joining us to close out Team Week for North Carolina. Does it count saying this on the Body Works Plus guest hotline when it's flounder? Via via Planted Kia Studios. Let's give two sponsors a shout out. That That's how, look, he's a money man, old flounder is. And so let's go ahead and shout out a couple of sponsors. Homie. Let's give him that, man, flounder. Tell them where they can find you at on social media yet again. Yeah, at HTB Anthony. Uh, that's my Twitter feed. Uh, also, guys, make sure you check out the Heel Tough blog page on Facebook. Also, check it out on Twitter. Just at Heel Tough Blog and uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Heel Tough Blog Podcast for me, Four Corners Podcast for the basketball side of things uh, so you don't miss any of our great additions to the podcast. That's what's up. That's a money man right there. He got all the plugs yeah. in. He told you about everything they've got going on. And when we come back, we're going to talk NFC South surprises, that and more Panthers on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dog hopping in the plane at Kia Studios, talking yeah. about some North Carolina football. Yeah, man, it's been a while. Actually, I don't like. I don't know if Boss Man's listening. Uh, we haven't been talking a lot of Panthers today. It's College Football Friday, man. Like, come on, we got so much college football. We got ACC expansion. We got North Carolina, South Carolina facing against one another in Bank of America Stadium. So we got a lot of college football. I mean, we've got options. It doesn't get do. any better than that. We All can right. talk about the Panthers, but man, there's so much good college football this weekend. All right, so we have seven minutes until we welcome Gene Sapikoff to talk more South Carolina football. So let's fill our Panthers quota as much as we possibly can. ESPN released an article on the biggest potential NFC South surprises, Wes. And if you go to the Carolina Panthers... Other interesting surprises in the division, too. But Dan Graziano wrote that Jonathan Mingo could be the biggest surprise for the Carolina Panthers. Talks about how he could develop as that number one overall wide receiver for this team. I don't think that it's crazy at all. I don't think it's crazy at all to think that he is the guy that could develop as that number one receiver. So DJ Chark already banged up before we get to the start of the season. So is Terrace Marshall. LaVisca Chenault, even if he wasn't banged up, I'm glad he's cleared concussion protocol. He's going to be a gadget guy. So, yes, Mingo and LaVisca, there is a little bit of overlap there. But LaVisca is not going to be a threat to lead the team in receiving this year. That's never going to be the type of player he's going to be in the NFL. So that was never a problem. Adam Thielen could be, but you might have an injury problem there. And Thielen, as he's gotten later into his uh, career, he's been more of a red zone threat. He's just been a touchdown maker more so than he's been going for the 1,000-yard seasons. It's been a while since he racked up a ton of yards. I think Thielen could do what he does again, give you seven touchdowns, something like that, have a productive year, give you all of the end zone threat, except maybe not amass a ton of yardage. I could see, depending on how you define it, I could absolutely see Jonathan Mingo develop as that number one receiver, especially like maybe even Amon Ra St. Brown mode where it takes a first half of the season for a QB wide receiver to develop chemistry. And then the second half you're ready to go. And then you just see him blossom and get, I don't know, however many yards to become that one number one wide receiver. I don't think that's a crazy surprise. No, I don't think it is either. I think though, based off what we've seen in the preseason and as far as the connection we've seen between Adam Thielen and Bryce Young, I still think Adam Thielen is going to be his guy. If he is out there, Talking about the six catches, 63 yards, got the touchdown, but it seemed like he was his safety blanket because what's the thing that Adam Thielen is known for the most? Getting open on those short and intermediate routes. 
Bryce Young, especially in an offense where he could have to be uh, getting out the ball much quicker than normal in a lot of instances. He's definitely going to be looking for a guy that he can trust. And then also just a rookie as well, looking for a receiver that I know when I get to the bottom of this drop, this guy's going to be where he needs to be. I think that's why Adam Thielen will be his guy. But Mingo, uh, you certainly can't rule him out, especially with his run after the catch potential if Bryce wants to uh, get it to him in a short setting. For him to get big yards afterwards, yeah. that could be something that could make him want to lean in that direction. But right now, I think Thielen uh, is the guy. Do you have another surprise that could take place here with Carolina, or do you want to go pay attention to maybe some of the other surprises listed for Atlanta with Drake London being the breakout second-year receiver? You could go to New Orleans. Don't be surprised if the Saints are in the race for the number one seed, not just winning the division, but in the entire conference in the NFC, that's a big surprise, but also Tampa Bay. Don't be surprised if one or both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin end up in the trade mix. We're already seeing buzz surrounding Mike Evans in that area. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so when you talk about the Saints and this prediction that they could be in a race for the number one seed in the NFC, I mean, I don't think it's absolutely out of this world, but the reason why we feel that way is because of Dennis Allen and because of what he's done in the past. We feel like we can't trust him, but when we talk about a team with weapons, a team with a top 10 defense, especially up in the upper areas of said top 10 when you talk about scoring and total defense I feel like that uh, yeah they might have lost a couple of guys but they also have drafted well out there and so I think that uh, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility Uh, the Drake London as well I think that's something that we feel like he's going to be able to blossom as well because he had a very productive rookie season. But as far as Carolina's concerned uh, when you talk about another surprise I think a surprise would be If Miles Sanders ends up putting up Pro Bowl caliber production, we've heard a lot of people say that uh, it was a reach, so to speak, for Carolina to give him the money uh, that he was given, talking about the supporting cast that he was with and how that helped him so much playing in that offense. I think if he's able to come here, especially behind an O-line again, that uh, hasn't looked very swift running the football as well this preseason, then I think that will give us a new perspective on Miles Sanders and what he represents at the running back position. So it won't be a surprise to us, but Frankie Louvu is not nationally known all that well yet. I think he's a lot of NFL hipsters' favorite linebacker among the favorite linebackers within that specific category. With us, we know Frankie Louvu is a baller. And in fact, we've been trying to figure out, are you going to pay everybody? Derek Brown doesn't have a contract yet. Brian Burns, plenty of conversation there, doesn't have a contract yet. Jeremy Chin, we're going to see what happens there. But even Frankie Louvu. Here's Mina Kimes discussing... Frankie Louvu and just how good of a football player he is. Absolutely have no idea what he's going to do. To me, Ben, I think the thing that I want to highlight is the physicality with which he plays with. And maybe this is why I love watching him so much. He flies around the field like a banshee and then tackles. Yeah. And then tackles like he's. 50 pounds bigger than he is. What is not to love? He will blow up screens and send them into the never world. Like he's just, and this is not even when he's lined up as a pass rusher, which is where you get, you know, a lot of the sacks and the unpredictability. He is just such a good football player. I think all of us are excited about what Luvu could do, especially within this defense. I know you've had some questions about how Avero's going to use him. What kind of year do you expect Frankie Luvu to have? I think he's going to have a, a really good season, especially if Coach takes 
his pass rushing prowess and really puts that to use because we know that he's moved into the inside when they are in that 34 base. So this is a guy that uh, had seven sacks last year, over 100 tackles, tackles for loss, uh, super high. So this is a guy that's very disruptive and likes to play behind the line of scrimmage. So I think that he's going to have a, a really good season. Just bring him on blitzes every now and again. Let him be disruptive. Let him wreck stuff. Uh, you want to see the coverage get a little better, but uh, Big Oose is definitely going to bring it this year. I don't have any worries about that. All right, let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Continue Team Week, the last day of Team Week. South Carolina, the spotlight is on them for us here on the Wesson Walker Show. Gene Sapikoff of the Charleston Post and Courier joins us right now to talk a little more South Carolina. Gene, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you? Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to this uh, shootout we're going to have Saturday night. Oh, you say shootout. How much defense do you think is going to be played between the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels in this one? I think there could be some turnovers in which the defense scores, but <laughs> otherwise uh, I think it's going to be kind of a show with uh, Drake May and Spencer Rattler, and I don't know. I mean, whatever the over is, I might go over that. Well, I think it's like 64 it's it's a lot. And so here's my thing with the quarterback play, right? Because plenty of eyeballs are going to be not only on Drake May, but even Spencer Rattler ended the season in a phenomenal fashion, especially the regular season, throwing for over 360 yards against Tennessee and against Clemson, 400 yards against Tennessee the week prior to Clemson. With Spencer, do you think we're going to get more consistency from this year uh, from him this year? And if so, do you think that's going to be in the form of, you know, actually getting over 250 yards passing per game and uh, in this new offense under Dow Loggins? Uh, it's going to be fascinating, guys, because you look at those last three games, Tennessee, Clemson, and the bowl game against Notre Dame that, you know, it was a close loss for South Carolina. Spencer Rattler was really just lights out in that Tennessee game, in which he was, of course, ridiculous. Six touchdown passes, almost played a perfect game. But he had two very big turnovers against Clemson, and he is definitely not the reason they won that game. Kind of was spotty against Notre Dame. Of course, he didn't have a lot of his cast with so many guys opting out of that game. But it's, here's the weird thing with the Dow Loggins offense is I've never heard of more collaboration between an offensive coordinator and a quarterback. I mean, Spencer Rattler says he has lots of leeway to change things at the line of scrimmage, and I think that comes from Loggins having coached in the NFL and worked with QBs that way. But that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. How much does Rattler change at the line of scrimmage against the Tar Heel? Gene Sapakoff joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Sapakoff. And so when you look at Spencer Rattler, we know the story. We know the road he took to get to South Carolina. But what have you seen from him just as far as his maturity? Is this a guy that's still hungry to get back into the first round of the NFL draft? Where do you feel like Spencer's headspace is as we enter this season? That's a great question, and I think he's very focused, very very uh, leadership-focused, and he's got – this is his team for sure. I, I think the players, the Gamecocks said it was his team last year, but until that last month, it just really wasn't. There were just too many things going on. So he wants to play in the NFL. He wants to play in the NFL next year, and I think there's a lot of incentive here. And he really believes in this offense. And while there's lots of experience at the skill positions, I think there's some more depth than people probably think. And so when you turn it over and look at this defense under Clayton White in South Carolina, they had a lot of holes to fill. But is Tonka Hemingway and Nick Emanwari just 
two really good building blocks for this defense, and how good do you think that they can be this year? I know you think they're going to give up a lot of points to North Carolina, but could they eventually start to get this thing together based off the talent you feel like that they may or may not have? Great question. I think it's going to be when does that eventually happen? Does it happen in the second half against North Carolina or sometime after they play Georgia on September 16th? I think the key against Drake May and against any really good quarterback is that up-the-middle push from, as you said, Tonka Hemingway, but also Boogie Huntley and the linebacker group, which is very rebuilt with Stone Blanton in there as a starter, Mo Caba coming off a serious injury from last year. So up-the-middle push and just Stopping that Tar Heel running game, it'll be interesting to see what Chip Lindsey does with that. So, yeah, that's uh, it's going to be hard to say when that defense will come together because they have some very big holes to fill. It's not just losing uh, guys like Zach Pickens and Cam Smith and Darius Rush to the NFL. It's losing Jordan Birch to the Oregon Ducks and um, you know guys like that that were transfers. That's really gonna really gonna hurt. All right, so here we are talking about the running game for North Carolina. How do you feel the running game is going to play out for South Carolina this year? And also, Gene, the offensive line. You know, What kind of legitimate worries are there, especially on the interior? Uh, as far as the running game, wow, that's going to be the biggest question mark this season. You have to carry on Joyner. In his sixth year, who has gone from wide receiver to quarterback. Tar Heels remember that all too well from the Duke Mayo Bowl. That was his first start at quarterback and. MVP of the game in a 38-21 South Carolina win. But now he's a running back, kind of an undersized guy, not real big. Can he take the punishment between the tackles? We'll see because Juju McDowell, the other primary running back, isn't a very big guy either. So what are they going to do there? Um, Besides that, though, I mean, I think they get that ball out really fast to the likes of Nick Harbour, a a freshman receiver that's their top recruit, and just try to kind of Keep the Tar Heels guessing. When you look at this schedule, Gene, and this North Carolina matchup, it is huge nonetheless, but there are other big games on this schedule as well. Is this the most pivotal game for South Carolina, this opener against North Carolina, or what do you see as the most pivotal game on their schedule? It's a big game because essentially replaces Georgia State on the schedule, not just that that was the opener last year, but just the way the non-conference opponent situation falls out. And that was a nice win. So if they were to lose this game, you're already, you know, one over par and go into last year's eight and five schedule. But I think the four key games are the four point spread upsets they pulled last year against Tennessee, Clemson, Texas A&M and Kentucky. Um, they're going to need to get a couple of wins in there, or they're going to have to make up, somewhere else and I don't know where they find that on the schedule because it's pretty tough so I think again that four large point spread upsets especially Tennessee and Clemson but also Kentucky and Texas A&M they beat them last year and uh, those are all going to be tough tough games this year all right so despite this being South Carolina team week wanted to get a ton of your coverage on the Gamecocks also did want to ask you about Clemson before we move on out of here Gene what do you think the key for the of the game is going to be between the Tigers and what is going to be what is a, a, a really good Duke team in a lot of uh, people's minds that watch the ACC yeah I mean I think getting pressure on um, Le- Riley Leonard who's going to be one of the best quarterbacks Clemson faces this year and that's saying something because they play Drake May Spencer Rattler and uh, Jordan Travis and Sam Hartman but Riley Leonard I-, I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country 
Um, you know, his father played basketball at the Citadel, and Riley Leonard actually uh, spent some of his early years here in Charleston growing up, and I just had a lot of respect for a guy like that. So they need to get him on the ground early in the game, or as Al Davis used to say with the Raiders, the quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard or else it's going to be a long night with that quick passing game that Duke has. That is the great Gene Sapikoff talking about South Carolina. Just a little bit of Clemson at the end there. He's a part of the Charleston Post and Courier. We always welcome him in to talk about some South Carolina football as well as really anything else that he can cover. Gene, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Gene. Thanks for having me, guys. That was great stuff. Team week concluding. It's done. That was it. It's officially done. Put a wrap on it. Stick a fork in it. Any of those phrases. <laughs> we love it. The real question is, do we find a way to repurpose the intro? Do we find some kind of way to keep yeah, it alive? Yeah, we have lot? to, man. I mean, I know you love it. Fitty gets going anytime, especially when you hear the bells, a, spa, a part of the North Carolina Team Week intro. I know a lot of people still want to hear it. I think maybe what we do is we have it for Mondays where we put in the best highlights from the best games locally around the country. Whenever we go to the campus corner, maybe it becomes our Monday campus corner intro. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we just hear the normal campus corner song. Okay. What do you if think? They don't put an intro of that caliber on the new one, man. I'm just. I'm breaking it. I'm, I'm, I'll, I will break. Well, I'm going to buy it from the cloud so you can't break a cloud. I'll then go buy the actual game and break the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, they, need to, they need to bring me in for a test of the intro. If I'm not sitting there wiping tears from my face when the intro is done and it's not good enough. I want to get sensitive in here. with that intro that's what i want i think that's a reasonable request everything i have another request what's up i want to hear the first fitty flash of the day okay what you got fitty fitty First thing I want to do is remind you guys that you can catch coverage of ECU at Michigan right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ starting at 11 with the pregame show. And then Jim Zoki will call the action live from the big house in Ann Arbor as the Pirates look for a monumental upset over the Wolverines. And guys, I think uh, I think Nick Saban was listening to the show earlier in the week talking about how they needed to name a starting quarterback before too long. Sources say that Jalen Milrow will be the starter on Saturday night when they take the field a week before the the big matchup with Texas. So it does appear that for the time being, Nick Saban has found his starting quarterback for 2023. Yeah, this guy's a tremendous athlete. I mean, I know they put a lot of gas on him in the spring as far as just he was going to be the next guy and how unstoppable he was going to be. He showed some flashes, but... uh, now it's his time to shine, so we'll see what he does with it. My question is, is this the least confident you've been in an Alabama quarterback since... Blake Sims? Sims, that's what Jake I was going to... That's what I would have gone with. <laughs> uh, will they be better at that position this year than the Coker-Sims days? Uh, man, let's see. I would say yes because of his ability to run the ball. Okay. Yeah, Darrow's a hell of an athlete, man. I mean, he had uh, three turnovers in the start that he had last year replacing Bryce Young. But if this is a guy they said he won over the team with his work ethic and uh, if he could come in and improve as a passer maybe 30 to 40% from what he was last season – yeah, he could be scary. All right. That'll do it for some uh, South Carolina talk. The first fitty flash. It'll be time to trend on the other side of the break. And we'll also welcome Mike Hill, the Charlotte 49er athletic director at the start of the two o'clock hour. It's all coming up on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7.
WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, baby Grump, are you him? What kind of question is that? Look at my Instagram. Okay, let's 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 enjoy the mess. Catch me outside. How about that? Huh? Catch me outside. How about that? Catch you outside. What does that mean? Let's get messy tonight, huh? Welcome back to the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. That gets me every time. <laughs> Doctor Phil is amazing in that soundbite. Oh. Every and it's it's not. Of course, it is. It does not come with the same kind of flair that Cash Me Outside does. Or how about that? Yeah. But Doctor Phil just being so befuddled, he has no clue what to do. None. It's the best part of that clip. Street cred zero. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome back. Catch this me is outside. A time to trend. We kick things off today. Joey Chestnut. Looking to be the Wayne King. We know what he does out there on July 4th when you're talking about hot dogs. But he's told TMZ Sports that he got his sights set on reclaiming the Chicken Wing Championship. He's slated to compete in the U.S. Chicken Wing Eating Championship in Buffalo on Saturday. Where else would it be? Going up against some of the top competitive eaters in the world, including the past two winners of the event, Jeffrey Esper and Mickey Sudo. Joey Chestnut has won this contest six times over the course of his career and said he wants what is his, and he is frustrated that he hasn't won it since 2018. So let's play a little game right here. How many wings do you think Joey Chestnut has eaten in a 12-hour span? Oh, my God. I mean, something just, I mean, something amazing. I I give each of you a guess. So you know the answer. This is not a hypothetical. I do know the answer. Oh, man. In a 12-hour setting, how many wings? So uh, I'll go – I wanted to say 500. I I think it – 500. I'll go 500. Fiddy, what you got? Okay. Maybe I'm I'm taking the easy – can you give me a ballpark? Yeah, you are taking – no, I didn't get a ballpark. Right, he didn't get a ballpark. You don't get a ballpark either. And don't you prices write me, okay? Don't do this four ninety nine and get closer. I need you to come up with yeah, a legitimate guess. guess. All right, 12-hour setting. Uh-huh. 275. All right, so Walker was slightly closer, but he once ate 413 wings in a 12-hour span. I was pretty close. Talked about the support that he's felt from the fans over the years while acknowledging that there's a little bit of pressure that comes with having all eyes on him. How many wings do you think you could eat in a 12-hour span? I don't know. Starving? The, the, well, the problem is I, I would go, I, I would probably eat something, I don't know, 50 early on, but then be so full. where Right, you, you couldn't you, eat you, much more. You got to imagine that he's space-saving. He knows the science behind being able to eat close to 500 wings. I do not. I just go in. <laughs> I just want to eat the chicken wings. Yeah. I'm probably adding too many calories when I go to the ranch dressing. I think, wait a minute, is this going to help me or is this going to hurt me? Right. Do I want more water? Is that going to fill me up? It's not going to be the same type of science that Joey Chestnut has. I could put down some chicken wings. I can put a lot down. 
436 is going to blow me out. Peter, you and I are both wing guys for sure, for sure. How many do you think you could do? I mean, I think even if I'm being aggressive, maybe the most I get to is 75. Yeah. That's a lot. I don't think you could do it. I don't think you could do it. <laughs> you know, In a 12-hour setting, maybe you could. 12 hours, okay. That's seven wings an hour. 12 hours, you could do it, I think. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking a little bit shorter than that. 12 hours, that's a, I mean, that's a day. Was another height joke? I don't How know. How is it a high jump? I think, yeah. you, said, you know, a little bit shorter than that. You were talking about me. Ooh, that is paranoia. <laughs> I said shorter in time. <laughs> that is short man syndrome if I've ever seen if, it. If huh? I, you want to go? SMS, baby. You want to fight? Yeah, if I, if I think about it, too, I would probably be somewhere a little over what Fiddy said, maybe in the 80, 90 range in a 12-hour span. I mean, that is a lot of wings because, Walker, I'd probably be like you if I'm starving probably sit there and eat 25 to 30 and then I'd be really full and then so I don't know but moving on Michael Jordan's personalized book from famous author Harper Lee on the market a custom copy of To Kill a Mockingbird is going for five figures his signed copy reads to Michael Jordan best wishes Harper Lee Harper mailed a small number of autographed special edition copies to celebs that she was connected with, and the NBA superstar, of course, was in that group. The book was ultimately purchased by a private collector, and now it's going up for sale over at Moments in Time. How much do you think that this copy of this book is worth? Well, you said five figures in the write-up, so sure. it's not going to go for a million. At least we do have some kind of ballpark that we're on. Got going. a ballpark. Yeah, so five figures, I don't know, give me uh, 50000 uh, you would be okay. I'm gonna get Fiddy's guess first too. Fiddy, what do you say? Give me real quick your number. Forty nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine. Well, both of y'all are way way off. You would <laughs> actually slice that in about half. Cool, twenty four thousand okay. dollars. I got that. This is worth. You we know you do, actually. We're not going to pocket watch <laughs> on the air. But, uh, all right. And so uh, in a recent episode of her podcast, The Morning After with Kelly Stafford, she disclosed, disclosed that Matthew had been struggling to bond with his younger teammate. Matthew Stafford's because, wife, right? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Because the locker room atmosphere has changed significantly with players now glued to phones instead of engaging in traditional team bonding activities. But she has admitted that she made a mistake going public, calling it, quote, probably the worst thing I've done when it comes to him. So uh, this begs a couple of questions. For one, do you think that she was wrong? And for two, how upset would you be with your significant other if she was revealing private conversations in a public forum? Yeah, so, right, like Matthew Stafford's wife, it goes and talks about how Matthew has disclosed that he does not necessarily see eye to eye or he just isn't getting along with some of these teammates, right? Just because of a different demographic that it is. So I think if you take any kind of time to pay attention to what he's saying, it's not that big of a deal. This seems more of an age gap type of thing, more so than a, hey, there's a real problem in the locker room type of thing. I understand that she probably could, shouldn't say it because people are going to run away with it and make it a bigger deal than it actually is. But I don't see the substance of this comment and see a real problem. To me, I just see Matthew Stafford is getting older 
and they're moving on from a lot of veterans that they traded for in the last few years. So now they have a whole bunch of young dudes that they've drafted in the last couple of seasons or younger guys that come from the practice squad because they couldn't draft a lot of players without the draft picks. I don't think it's that big of a deal. The comment shouldn't say it because you don't want people running away with it at the same time should be pretty easy to bounce back from in my opinion yeah i think that uh she should not have put that out into the public because i think there are some guys who may take umber to that may not like the fact that she's airing out laundry uh into a public forum like that and and now matt has to go in and make it right with his teammates and people are going to be asking the younger players about that and say hey what'd you think about matt stafford's wife's comments and that's not something i'm sure he wants to deal with he's already going into a sinking ship uh with the genius uh sean mcveigh so it makes it that much harder when you have to go in there and I deal with T. Mason real quick. We're up against the break, but Fitty, would you have an issue with this, or would you tell her uh, why was her location not on? Wow, God, <laughs> I have, I I have learned my lesson <laughs> when it comes to y'all. I did have a comment about this, and I'll preface this by saying, as someone that hosts three podcasts, this is another example of that. There are too many people that have podcasts in the world that don't need to have a podcast. There's a lot. This is also coming from someone that has a daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> <That's a lot. laughs> All right. So when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, Mike Hill, Charlotte 49ers athletic director, joins us on the eve of Charlotte opening up their new football regime under Biff Pogey. We're going to talk a lot about that when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 